Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, we're recorded today because both Michelle and I are uh, following the John Denver lead. Yeah. Like we're on a jet plane. So We're on a jet plane. <laughs> uh, thank, thank, thank you for... Uh, staying with us through the recording aspects of us actually getting back out into the real world. Yeah. Um, anything we need to talk about, Michelle, before we jump in with our topic today? Well, didn't you tell me, so this will be released on September 26th, I think, which I think you might've mentioned is National Love Note Day. Is that right? Did we talk about that? I could it, have it, it wrong. It is not only, at, it's not only Love Note Day. Yeah. And I know we're coming up especially but uh we we are coming the 26th is actual national ghost hunting day oh yes and so that our our halloween episode will be a lot of fun because we'll yeah. be talking about ghost stories <laughs> feel free to share them and send them in if you've yeah, got some you want real, shared. <laughs> real ghost stories but i've i've got uh one oh, in yeah. particular that i will share with everybody uh yeah and i'm sure others will have it as well Mm -hmm. I may lose total respect from Brian, my partner, after he listens to that podcast, though, because we, lately we've listened to a couple of um, like YouTube videos that are about strange happenings. And the person is <laughs> they were usually about aliens, but like the person said something about. Oh, well, there was no evidence here, so it had to be aliens. Oh, there you <laughs> the, go. Yeah. The, the conclusion is just so strong. Um, so but, my ghost stories will remain a mystery, whether okay, they were a fair. ghost or not, but I've got fair, them. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> so so let's set that aside for a minute. And yes, yes. today, so when you're hearing this, it is Love Note Day. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, my love language, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that cheesy, like 30 plus year old five love languages thing, but my primary love language is words of affirmation. If you want to work your way into Michelle's heart, you will send her a card, an email, a text that is affirming and loving. And so I guess when I was thinking about this being love note day is I was thinking, in terms of keeping your shit together, right? Don't we want to have strong relationships? It doesn't have to be romantic relationships. It could be with your brothers or sisters, with your mom, with your coworkers, with your friends. Like when was the last time you sent a note or a card in the mail to someone? Because we get bills and we get junk, but we don't get cards. Mail. Yeah. Right. And cards can be a really meaningful thing, especially if you know that the person receiving it hasn't heard from you in a while or uh, has words of affirmation as their love language. So I just wanted to encourage you to keep your relationship shit together and pledge maybe to send a note of appreciation, if not a love note, to somebody in your life 
today? So my mind is going a million miles a minute because my okay. primary love language is touch. Oh. And, and I'm trying to understand people driving by and doing a, a quick drive-by touch of Scott and it probably could go in all <laughs> kinds of wrong directions. My 12-year-old brain does not want to go down that road. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, Carolyn I'm, want I'm, us I'm, to. Imagine, imagine what COVID has done to that. I, you know, I was just thinking that when you said that it must've been a really rough few years for you with all the lack of touch. Well, I'm a hugger. So let's just, yeah. you know, me and me and Leo Biscalia, right. Yeah. Um, for those of you old enough to remember him and, yeah. uh, you know, there are lots of people out there that promote the connection, the hugging stuff. And that's done, uh, with respect yeah. to my life, even the live events that are back in place, it's still fist bumping periodically. People will shake hands. Um, but it's still a lot of physical distancing. And yeah. uh, in fact, yesterday was very weird. Uh, I know this is recorded, but uh, yesterday I had a live event. It was supposed to be all day mm -hmm. uh, out at one particular city here in California. They're they're starting to re-examine the, the uh, I call it onboarding. It's the existing It's the existing employees, but they're starting to realize they need to get them back into a team management concept. Oh. And so they're bringing me out and I'm starting to talk to these folks. I show up yesterday prepared for an all day event, live event, going to be up, you know, upbeat and full of energy and blah, blah, blah. And I am met at the front of the facility where they're holding this by a lady in a mask. And it was like, oh no. Oh. And she, she said, I want to let you know half hour ago, we were informed that following an event we had last night, somebody tested positive for COVID. Oh, no. So we're shutting everything down. I went, oh, okay. And what would you like to do instead? You want to reschedule this? And mm. she said, no, we want to do it virtually. And I oh. said, well, I will need to drive back to my studio and blah, blah, blah. And she said, no, yeah. we're going to just stick you in the city council chambers and put a camera in front of your face and have all our employees watch it from their homes. Wow. And, and, and I got to tell you, it was, it was so odd. I you bet. Know, it's one, it's one thing for us to be here. Yes. I've got my studio. It's my home, you know, right. it's, it, things like that. Right. But to be in this big, gigantic city council chamber right. with just me locked in, by the way, they locked me in. So wow. it was all secure. Um, and so nobody could come in. Nobody could infect me. They were re really wonderful about it, but it was like, it was so disarming and so yeah, disjointed. And it was like, oh my God, we're back to this again. Oh, I so know. I saw, as someone whose primary love language is touch, and yes. I've said this before, you know, if Carolyn and I are walking around, all she has to do is put her hand on my mm. back or put her hand on my arm. And it's like, boom, this is yeah. why I was made. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's my secondary know, love language, by the way, touch. So I really relate to it. And, and so, by the way, now <laughs> now I'm wondering if people just write love notes on me, if that qualifies. So. Oh, yes, it would. Yeah. Magic marker or hopefully not Sharpies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, when I used to lead, I, I don't think I ever told you about this, but um, I used to lead a lot of groups for something called Comfort Zone Camp, which is a national, um, not Los Angeles a United States national children's grief camp nonprofit. And they would take kids seven, seven to 17 out for a weekend at a campsite and create these um, comfort, comfort zone circles and, you know, do these ropes courses and things like that. But the therapist would be 
you know, everybody that led a cluster was a therapist and they would be in charge of the group for the whole weekend. And there was so much, um, well, number one, there was a lot of uh, appropriate touching in that, like uh, people would buddy up and there were a lot of high-fiving going on, right? All of that had to go away. But at the end of a weekend, when I'm thinking about people writing on you, I'm thinking about these cards. One of my closing rituals that I would do is I'd get everybody with an index card. They'd write their name on the index card and I'd say, okay, pass it to the right. And a person next to them would have to write a value or a characteristic that they appreciated about that person whose name was on the card on the card and then they'd pass it to the next person and the next person could write another one they can't repeat it then it goes all the way around until it ends up with the kid so imagine a oh, that's cool you know 10 year old receiving a card that says funny leader um good listener uh thoughtful you know and then i would tell them i want you to fold this up in your pocket and take it with you so that when you forget, when you forget that you you matter, when you forget yeah. that you've had a rough day, pull out this card. So I have this vision now of you with Sharpies and people coming along and writing funny, magical, there you inspiring. Go. These are just Michelle's words for you, but there you that's go. Well, what thank we would you. do. I appreciate that. <laughs> You know, real, anyway. real quick, real quickly, any themes you've noticed with clients? And I'm going to start off with that question oh. with my own answer. Okay. Because of Good. what you said with the love note, one of the things that I've been asking some of my clients, not all of them, uh-huh. some of my clients to do is to write a love note to themselves. Oh, I love that. As, as a reminder, now, it kind of ties in with what you were talking about with your comfort zone, mm-hmm. but to, to put your own hat on mm-hmm. and be an objective observer in your own life yes. and to write yourself a love note. Yes. Yes. You'd be amazed how empowering it is. And we actually did a whole show. We've done several shows on this, but we did a whole show on the concept of what writing to yourself, you know, even for a few days to create that habit, that pattern. Yes. Yes. Of talking uh, to yourself. Does to help rewire. Yeah. How you feel? Yeah. Yeah. And even when you mentioned like observing yourself, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about something you and I consulted about when you, a person has a feeling and instead of doing anything about it, repressing it, judging themselves, et cetera, they just notice the feeling and watch it pass through them because typically it will pass through the person after, you know, a few minutes or 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things uh, to help people with, with, with the distinction between mindfulness and meditation, because they're not the same thing. No. People all too often confuse the two. Uh-huh. Um, and mindfulness is being aware of where you are at any given time in any given moment. Right. So I'm aware of my you know, left foot mm-hmm. propped up here, and I can feel the heat of whatever is underneath it against my foot, my right foot. I notice that I'm, I'm actually on the ball of my foot. Right foot, so am I. And a coincidence? I think uh-huh. not. I think not. Um, so, you know, I noticed that. I noticed that my hands are in a certain position. I noticed that I'm feeling uh, excited about the show today. These, that's mindfulness. Okay. And not meditation. And so one of the, just as a quick little aside, has nothing to do with today's show at all. <laughs> well, I am, it actually might now that I think about it. Um, I love to teach people the technique of 
noticing their thoughts in any given moment because you, yes. you know, we all have this monkey mind that that people you've heard about mm -hmm. but nobody really knows what that is and so I love to take people through a guided visualization we won't do it now I'll just tell you what it is of sitting by the riverbank listening to the river flow by them watching the river flow mm -hmm. by them curling around the rocks etc and as they're doing that suddenly leaves start to be washed down the river and they notice the leaves coming through and they notice the leaves twirling and sometimes they get caught in this little whirlpool and they just start spinning and sometimes they're floating quickly out of sight and sometimes they're just gently going down and as you do that and you notice your thoughts and your feelings and your experiences put them on the leaf as you experience them mm -hmm. and then wash it watch and watch the leaf wash down the river Mm -hmm. and you will suddenly start to realize how many damn thoughts you actually have going on in your head I know uh-huh and how you don't you can let them go yeah I really what, love that meditation and again I think it maybe ties in with today's show I'm not sure where you wanted to go with your aspect of it Michelle mm -hmm. but you suddenly start to realize a lot of these thoughts aren't yours right yeah they stem back they're they're old they come from you, childhood learnings you've got all this stuff rotating and and it's like this this loop playing in your head remember the old days of the old shall i call them the reel to reel and oh, you could yes. actually create a loop uh -huh. you could create a loop by taping the ends of the tape together uh -huh. and it would just play in an endless loop in an now, endless you, loop you know those of us with phones iPhones today smartphones you can put a song on repeat yes Back that's in, an endless loop uh -huh. that back in the old times uh-huh you know when dinosaurs roamed the earth <laughs> the olden days the old days i i, I when think we I'm, walked uphill through the snow both ways both ways yeah i heard those <laughs> stories <school. laughs> i heard those stories um you know we we had reel to reels and you'd take a razor blade and you'd cut it and you have to splice it together and you'd create this endless loop mm -hmm. and you're you'd i think you'll be surprised if you sit down and just take a moment and notice don't judge it don't try and get rid of it just lean into the thought and say where did i learn that yes where did i learn that and here we go and here we go you learn to talk all wrong yeah, and, <laughs> and I will tell you why I originally, I think, proposed this topic. You did. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the concept, it came out of a conversation I had with my sister, mm -hmm. where there are certain things that, particularly my dad, mm -hmm. I kept hearing repeat and replay in my head. Mm. Some of them really positive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, can so you think of an example? Uh, well, it's going to sound funny. Okay, that's okay. It, well, it's funny, odd, because odd. when I say okay. it, uh -huh. when I say it out of context, it sounds uh -huh. really rude. Oh, okay, okay. But I'm it's, ready. It's shorthand. My sister and I say to each other, uh -huh. "Pull your head out of your ass." <laughs> okay, pull your head out of your ass. Okay, okay. like, like, get it together. Yeah, get your shit a, together. <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> Got it. It's okay. like, come on. You know, I know Let's in the go. last show, I know in the last <laughs> show we talked about my feelings of God, maybe this is where it came from. Oh. We talked about my feelings <laughs> of I'm running out of time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and uh -huh. so there was a, a thing. Now my sister and I that my dad used to say, I learned uh -huh. it from very little. Uh-huh. And it was his way of saying to us, stop what you're doing 
and get on with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so that's my sisters and I joyful, playful way of remembering oh. my dad. Oh. You know, it's like, I'll say something stupid and she'll say, Scott, pull your head out of your ass. Or I'll <laughs> say it back to her and it's not rude. And it's and, meant with love because you know the context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a classic example of, of I'm suddenly starting to catch myself repeat thoughts that weren't mine. I didn't formulate that thought. Uh -huh, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. And there are certainly negative ones, particularly stuff I heard from grandparents and grand, great uncles and, you know, my folks that came out of Chicago. Um, uh -huh. You know, this <laughs> these are the people that when you wanted to learn how to swim, they threw you in the Chicago River and said, oh. swim. Wow. So, okay. you know, very rough edged folks that, that uh -huh. was like, okay, you want to swim? Boom. Drop you in the river, swim. Wow. And with, and with that came the concept of children should be seen and not heard. <gasps> That's the first on my list. There you go. Children should be seen and not heard. Grew right? up with it. Like, Grew up and, with it. And, and guess what message you, you have when that's what you grow up with. So the question that I've got before we start to mm -hmm. you as a therapist and counselor mm -hmm. is, will you agree, because I firmly believe this, will you agree that we as children at a time uh -huh. when we don't have tools to be as discerning as we are as adults, yes. when we see things, we are like little monkeys and we're mirroring oh, yes. not just the physical aspects of things. Mm -mm. We hear and, and I'll go back to, right, remember, we've, we've talked about grief and yeah. the fact that as a kid, I was really kind of insulated from that. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, never lifted up to see the open casket, kept at the car while everybody was at, at graveside, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so I learned certain environmental and familial things about death mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rather than another environment or culture where they it might express integrated. themselves very dramatically as a way of mm -hmm. getting it out and then it's over with. Mm -hmm. um, wouldn't you agree that that also takes, that that also translates to our linguistic speech, the words, the stuff we got going through our head, we yes. actually adapted and adopted and we don't even know we've done it. Yes. Also, don't you think that the way we sound can sometimes actually physically sound like our parents i like, have you ever heard this right your now. parents voice in your own head uh, I mean, come I, out I, of your I, mouth i mean i'll tell you what i've heard okay my parents sounding like their parents well that too and then what's weird is when you do it and you're like oh i'm sounding like my parents or i, have, I haven't noticed it yet because and maybe i'm in denial maybe because because it's like I haven't done that yet. However, I've heard my sister do that. Oh, sometimes I, I hear my mom's voice or idiosyncrasies coming out of my mouth and I go, oh my God. And there's a really funny series of commercials. Not that any of us watch commercials anymore, but they're progressive commercials. Progressive oh, trends. yes, yes, yes. We, yes. Have no, we have no tie to them on this, this show, but they're like. But oh. progressive, if you'd like to take out an ad and sponsor us, we're open. To, <laughs> we're we're open. open. But they have these great funny commercials about how we turn into our parents. And there's this one where this guy's at a book signing and someone's like trying to get everybody lined up and he's like sir we don't need a line monitor you know and someone else bring oh you have no snacks so I Brett and they pull a bunch of snacks out of their purse. <laughs> it's like how to stop being like your parents 
Well, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting that you say (laughs) that because a lot of the clients I work with. Yes. We happen to be at that phase of working where they're starting to realize the repeatable, predictable patterns that, that they have, that they're using. They think it's comfort food for lack of a better way to put it. It's comfortable for them. Why? Because they grew up with it. Right. It was, you know, these, these scripts were installed by the parents intentionally or not. Right. And then the kids replicate this crap. Right. Um, And I've seen it. um, Well, heck, we've got grandkids. I've suddenly, I've heard stuff come out of of our grandkids' mouth. It's like, where the heck did you hear that? Did you learn that? Yeah. Well, yeah. And then if we want to go really deep and we talk about all the isms and the racisms and the sexisms and things Mm -hmm. like that, like that is learned behavior. Absolutely. That that if you are like, like me and Scott, we're Caucasian, we have white privilege. We have to work at undoing our white privilege blind spots. Like, you you know, you can't grow up in America and not have blind spots. Um, So I don't think you can blow. I don't think you can grow up anywhere without blind spots. It's part, it's part of being, it's part of being a sentient being. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you start to pull from culture and you can unconsciously pick up behaviors that can be very hurtful to other people, if not downright systemically interfere with their own growth. So, but we're sticking with today it's language, right? So you mentioned children should be seen and not heard. And can you imagine what that does to your ability to effectively communicate if that statement is spinning in your head on a regular basis? Like how, how do you think that manifests itself in adult life? Children should be seen and not heard. Well, obviously your job, my job as a kid, because mm-hmm. I distinctly remember mm-hmm. going into one meeting, by the way, that my dad was having with um, some interesting individuals. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, come on, my family's from Chicago. I, I, you know, I get and, it. And, said. And, I, and it was, I was told, sit there, be quiet, be invisible. Right. Now, the so stuff you- I heard discussed in there, to this day, I'm just amazed that I was even allowed in this room. <laughs> I know because people think if you're below waist size, you don't, you can't hear. So <laughs> kids get exposed to a lot of stuff, but think about that. A child growing up with that message either really, really, really wants to be seen yeah, or really, really, really wants to continue being invisible. Like we see the extremes, but the other thing that we see is um, people struggling with paying attention in a conversation and staying present right? Because I don't really have to pay attention to you, especially my children or other people, because you're just supposed to be seen and not heard. So, uh, you know, a, a solution, if you find yourself struggling with this is, is number one, do a reality check about your attention seeking. Like, are do you struggle with the, being the center of attention or do you struggle with attention or do you find like you can't get enough? And that might be some work areas to do. Or do you never put your phone down or pause the TV and actually listen? Do you find yourself going, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 and you're not really paying attention to the people in your family Uh that are trying to communicate with you? (laughs) Stay present, you know, Uh put your phone down, pause the TV, (laughs) right? Because we, if we learn that we're not supposed to be heard, we really struggle with hearing other people or feeling that anything we have to say is important. That makes sense. So, so. 
that's that's number one on your list. How that's interesting! How interesting, right? Because it, I, I think it may be generational too. Might be. Um, you know, yeah. you and you and I've chatted about it, and I'll be transparent with everybody here. I have a real hard time uh, showing my sad side, my crying, mm -hmm. in public, let alone privately. Right? Nobody <laughs> likes the pain of it, but mm -hmm. I have a really hard time crying in front of anybody, mm -hmm. and one of the earliest things I remember scripting wise, learning to talk as a kid was stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, oh, that's a terrible one. Stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. How many times do we take that? And when someone's feeling something, we say, don't be sad. Yeah. Don't be mad. Don't be like, if you're ever feeling a particular way and someone tells you not to feel that way, does that ever actually work? No, it's very different than what we talked about in terms of observing your feelings and watch them pass through you. That's a different technique than us saying to you, don't feel your feelings. And, and I would never suggest that um, yeah. because I'm a big follower of Pema Chodron. And for yes. those of you who love Pema or have never heard of her, frankly, go and look at some of her work on taking the emotion yeah. that you're feeling, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and not sweeping it under the rug and not simply watching it float down the river, but to lean into it. And oh, yeah. by the way, while you're experiencing grief, take it on for the entire world and yes. say, you know, as long as I'm experiencing grief, let me feel it for the whole world. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. you experience it and let it flow through you. It's a very mm -hmm. powerful exercise. It is. It is. And it's the opposite of, uh, you know, what you said, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Cause that again, leads to dismissing other people's feelings and dismissing ours, our feelings. So we really have to unscript that one. If you learn that one, that is, that is a learning to talk all wrong one. <laughs> so, so before we get into more of your examples and the stuff you want to cover, mm -hmm. I'm really hearing you talk about, it's not that you learned to talk all wrong. Yeah. It's that maybe your self-esteem has been shaped all wrong. Mm -hmm. Also that. And I'm asking our listeners to re-examine um, what you've been imitating and don't even realize you've been doing it. I know. I know. So by the way, before, before we get into the examples, is it possible to unlearn this stuff, Michelle? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, hypnosis, affirmation work, cognitive behavioral therapy, working with a coach, all of that, all of that, just re it's rescripting. You have to rescript the, yeah. you have to find a counterbalance. So an opposite of what, what might be, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, why, what might be the opposite of you should be seen and not heard? Um, be an opposite provi scripting? Provi provided mm -hmm. that there's a foundation. I mean, cause I, I do work with folks on this, right? That's what yes, the whole do. fearless lifestyle is. Yes. Um, it's learning to speak up. It all presumes, by the way, the understanding and appreciation and implementation of personal boundaries. Yes, yes. sure, sure, sure. So you don't want impulsivity to take no, over. No, no, no. And you don't want ego to take over. So no. presuming you understand reasonableness, balance, balance and reasonableness, <laughs> um, you know, it's you have a voice, speak up. Yes. Uh, or as I like Beautiful. to say, as, as I like to, to say, you deserve 
you have a right to put your dent in the universe. You yeah. can ask for no more and you right. deserve no less. Right, right. You gotta, you, you, it's literally though, it's that self-talk of saying, yes. you know, mom and dad grew up in a, in a generation where we had an assembly line mentality. We still kind of do, do, but it's, it's that assembly line mentality. Mm -hmm. Work hard, work harder, get things done, see how much output you can have, make it all the same, make it consistent, make it repeatable, et cetera. They in turn had, had parents who grew mm -hmm. up in the depression and world war ii coming out of that who in turn had parents who came out of world war one and mm -hmm. pre-world war one where survival was not something that you philosophically talked about mm -mm. you lived it and you escaped and you in my family's case changed your name seven eight nine a dozen times mm -hmm. so that you know mm -hmm. for whatever reasons that they were changing them and so identity became an issue and these patterns we've talked before about generational transference yep. and generational trauma et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing to me as a coach talking to folks who repeat the language the speech and the bad art form of parent talk that they've learned yes. and they they don't realize they can change it yes yes but it is changeable it it, absolutely. it is definitely changeable you know as a yes. script writer as a storyteller i'm telling yeah. you it's not only changeable it's easily changeable okay and that you know for me it's going out and saying what is it what is it that keeps playing in your head what are the scripts that keep playing Mm -hmm. right we've talked about this in the context of mantras and affirmations and things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. well find find the stuff that isn't working for you yeah the stuff that says i'm not good enough i'm not worthy i should be invisible i should not be seen blah find the stuff that doesn't work as part of your clear vision for your future mm -hmm. and then write the opposite of it that's how simple yes. this is yeah so instead of uh i shouldn't be seen or heard i need to be seen and heard people well, don't or, have to agree with me i don't have to get my way but i still have a right to speak so i'm going to add this because i don't often use the word should mm -hmm. if if you are in your negative talk saying mm -hmm. i should not be seen and heard mm -hmm. then it's i should be seen and heard i should be seen and heard okay now you can should all over yourself right we've yep, talked yep. about that that's before. on my list too by that, the way that, that's a whole that's you know that that that's a whole nother scripting at least it's a start where yes. you're you're making it's a claim you're making mm -hmm. a claim of entitlement to right. something right right and i don't know that i have a lot more to say about shoulds because the the negative you you know you didn't learn to talk right is if your family of origin or your cultural group does a lot of shoulds in a way that feels like a judgment or a value a value judgment it's very limiting it leads to a perfectionistic drive that is impossible to reach and a lot of guilt and shame because people can't be good enough and an inability to relax and be present and have balance in your life because you just never can be good enough. Right. So the, the shooting all over yourself, if you find yourself, Oh, I really should, I really ought to, I really must. You want to unpack all of those and, and do the opposite. And again, a great little technique to use here because your parents didn't talk they they used should a lot yes um take the should statement and rewrite it with i don't have to i don't have to i don't or have I to whatever to. it is well or that's I want that's the, to. that's the throwing your intention into yes. the design 
That's the right. next step. So, you know, there are progressive iterations of this yes. that we that we can talk about. Uh, we've been actually talking about it throughout this mm -hmm. entire podcast series. Um, the, the reality is you have more control than what you believe over yes. the, the, the way you talk. That's right. That's right. You just have to reprogram it. You have yeah. to re it's just a matter of repeat, repeat, repeat until it starts to stick. And I'm going to say something that I trust Michelle, you will agree with. Okay. Just, just because someone has been talking to themselves and others for 30 some odd years, 40 some odd years, 50 some odd years does not mean you're getting better at it. No. And in no. fact, I have watched some family members crawl into these negative talk patterns, um, patterns uh -huh. and it gets worse. Yeah. Because they're getting reactions. It's really bizarre, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can get a reaction out of this. So I'm just going to go there even more. It's fascinating. And, it, and it's like, yeah, it is fascinating because it's like, do you understand what you sound like? Yeah. Because you sound either like Eeyore or an asshole. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. So another one on my list. I don't know if you've heard this one. How about this one? Because I said so. Oh, my God. <laughs> right oh i haven't heard that one now does that bring back memories <laughs> well, why because i said so because i said so so what does that that means that <clears throat> you learn not to ask good questions when you lack understanding because you're just told i have to accept this line of crap from whatever this person is doing or they're going to dominate me in some way like that's what the end result is it, or we don't listen well. We don't listen well. We don't yeah. ask good who, what, where, when, how questions. We're just like, just do it or don't do it. And likewise, I have to just do it or don't do it. I don't get to look at why am I struggling to do this or, or how would it help me to get past this? So it's interesting that you say this because as I'm revisiting in my own head as you're talking, mm -hmm. the times that I heard that, it was always a power play. It's a it power was, play. It, it was literally... I'm above you, or yes. I'm your senior, or I'm yes. your elder, or I'm mm -hmm. your parent. Mm -hmm. And I have now suddenly realized what that did to me as an attorney, by the way. Which? Oh. Which, oh, because I had one attorney, actually, the first time this was ever played on me. Oh. Lots of games happen when you're a, a trial lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had an opposing counsel say, do you even know who I am? Oh, <laughs> my least favorite statement in the language. <laughs> and I will tell you my response because I remember what you just brought up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I said so. Which is essentially the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. I was questioning. My response back to her was not, neither polite nor kind. <laughs> oh, yes. And? No. Um, it shut the conversation down. Yeah. <laughs> At which, you know, point my, she, at which point she threatened to report me to the state bar ethics committee. But, um, you know, you know, my favorite uh, Richard Branson story from one of his books is the, the man that walks up to the woman at the at the Virgin Airlines counter and is like really pissed about something and they can't meet his needs or whatever. And he's like, don't you know who I am? And she gets on the PA and it's like, um, attention, <laughs> everyone. Does anybody know who this man is? Because he doesn't seem to know who he is. That's and instead very of funny. getting fired, they accommodated her. And I just thought, what a cool company yeah. that they don't get into that power play stuff, that their employees get the same amount of respect as anyone else, right? Well, it, it, 
you know, you bring up an interesting situation with Sir Richard. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> because if you look at, it's always been an irreverent company. Oh, yes. And if you look at their print ads. Yes. And I'm just going to read some of these. Oh, right? read some. Uh-huh. They're talking about the, by the way, it's in the context of um, seat placement on the planes. Okay. Seat here's placement. The, here, here, here's the, they're basically touting the fact that they have more space between the seats. Right. Well, the print ad is nine inches of pleasure. <laughs> God, I love Sir Richard. He's How about hysterical. this one? How about this one? Play with yourself. Oh. <laughs> I mean, these are the kinds of things that I just love, including the ad very similar to what you were talking about. It's a picture of somebody sitting in the seat and the guy's got his hands up and all the, all the ad says is I choose. I choose. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. So think about if, if you find that because I said so stuff playing a role in your life, I want you to look back. Usually when people do that, like, don't you know who I am or because I said so, I think it's coming from a person who doesn't know how to help you understand their perspective. They're not really interested in making a connection to you or they're flustered and don't know how to explain their position to foster understanding. And so you can grow up either not advocating for your own understanding, or you can grow up repeating it to other people and acting as if you can just do this power play and people have to eat what you're selling. Well, and again, that's the, I think the imitation that we've all been doing. Yeah. And we don't realize we've even been doing it. We've simply said mom and dad are role figures. Right. Right. The people that we look up to that this is my source of survival is saying this is the proper way to behave. Right. I'll do it that way. Right. And then very close to it is my next one on the list. My way or the highway. Oh, I did not grow up with that one. Okay, (laughs) good. So if you, if you grew up with that one, it's usually a sign the person has very difficult time compromising or they have a really rigid attitude. So the subtle aspects of it is like, I'm right and you're wrong, like a Mm. need to be right. I I struggle with admitting my errors. I struggle with admitting that I'm wrong. I struggle with understanding someone else has a relative perspective that's important here and I might need to compromise. And so that's a, you learn to talk all the, all the wrong way. Like if you, if you always have to fight to be right, you're looking at a lose win metaphor in your head and that does not work in relationships. Yeah. It just doesn't. And I'm trying to think if I grew up with anything similar to that. And the closest I can come up with is don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you mean by that one? Well, it, I think it's, it's, the, it's meant the same way. If you don't like uh-huh. what I'm saying. Oh, get out. Okay. Get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that doesn't lead to any kind of connected relationship, right? You're basically uh, dismissing my, my way or the highway. Yeah, exactly. So that was my next one on the list. And then I don't have a statement for this, but one of those ways that we learn to talk all wrong is when we assume we know what the other person means or what they're about to say. And therefore the next one, so that's one, the next one is we interrupt people 
because of our assumptions. So we interrupt people, we cut them short because we think we know what they're going to say. I am so freaking guilty. <laughs> well, did you learn that from someone? <laughs> you know, as a, I, I don't know. Um, I okay. have to think about that. But as a, ki- <laughs> as a kid, I was so painfully shy that I didn't talk a whole lot. Yeah. So there was that. Um, and I think as I grew into Scott uh-huh. and, and learned entertainment and learned magic and learned, you know, all the things that I bring to the table now, um, you know, I just have this big, here, let's have therapy today. Michelle. <laughs> I, 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 th- I, th- I think that what it came down to is absent taking notes. Yeah. I was afraid, and I'll use that term, I was afraid that the thought would get lost if I didn't interject, number one. And number two, that I probably watched this banter Banter. around the the family table so much and people were, you know, my family interrupts all the time, all of Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a way of, it's it's their way of connecting. So I'm modeling, Mm -hmm. showing interest. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm being rude and interrupting you. Uh-huh. Um, it's I'm showing you I'm involved. Yeah, yeah. But to uh, it, like uh, my introverted loves in my life, be it my friends or family members or my partner, have told me that there's some people that when you interrupt them, they assume that you're not interested in what they have to say and they shut down. And so isn't that sad that one person's method of interrupting to show that they're interested is another person's experience of feeling unimportant and back to the unseen and unheard. So you really want to get to know your closest friends and family members and find out how they feel about this. If it's a family dynamic and you're all used to interrupting each other, then you've all agreed that this means we're interested in each other. So the challenge is when you go to someone else with a different family message where it means I'm not interested in what you have to say. That's why I'm interrupting you and taking over. Or a different family, you know, you marry into a family. Yeah. And and it's like, they all sit around and they don't talk. And it's like, (laughs) from somebody, from somebody not in that family. Yeah. um, It's very uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like why aren't you people talking? Talk <laughs> for God's sake, say something. Just can talk, and and yeah, and how badly <laughs> it can be misinterpreted. So you know we're coming we're coming near the end of the show today. Yes, and yes. one of the things I didn't mean to cut you off. By the way, no, I that's any... <laughs> I did not feel cut off. <laughs> um, it, it, Boy, we could go. I, I think we could go a whole nother show on why do people interrupt? Because I just suddenly had this whole flood uh-huh. this of whole flood? a lot of other things come in. Um, <laughs> I invite everybody just as a little exercise to, to play around with. Sit down and write down the top 25 things you learned from your parents or grandparents. Yep. yep. Just write them down. Don't think about them. Don't censor them. Just write down top 25 things I learned from my parents and my grandparents. Right. right. And then after you've done that, 25 things. Yep. Write them down. You're going to find, by the way, I think, I predict that the ones towards the end are going to have more power than the ones at the beginning. 
Oh, okay. They're the ones that you unearth. You're going to get to like 12. You know, I don't have any freaking more. Uh, um, and, and I'm telling you, dig, you've got dig. them. You okay. have all of these little scripts, okay. these talking points that are going through your head. Write them down. And then, and only then, go back, look at this list, item by item, painfully, gleefully, however you want to do this, mm. and look at each one and say, if I keep this statement running in my head as part of my operating system, mm -hmm. does it help me live the dream? Yeah. And if it doesn't, write down the 180 degree opposite of it uh -huh. and make that the new script. I love it. If it's working for you, keep it. If it's yeah. not, write the opposite and start rescripting. I really love that. So I, I know we're at our time. I feel like I have one specific one it's mostly for people identifying as female that I don't want to let go of. And I'm going to add it. Oh, in. wait, wait. Okay, so let me interrupt. Okay. <laughs> let me interrupt yes. and tell you what I grew up with when that happens. What? Well, if you can't remember it right now or you skipped it and didn't tell it at the beginning, it must not have been important. <laughs> well, I had it written down, but okay. because it's so female oriented and has come up in my sessions lately, it is. If they are really my soulmate or they really love me, uh, they should know what I want and need without me having to tell them. Mm -hmm. That is bullshit. <laughs> I'm calling bullshit. No one is a mind reader. They're not. I mean, maybe they're a psychic. Even if they're a psychic, they're off duty when they're at home with you. <laughs> like, tell people what you need. Tell people what you like. Tell your partner. Repeat it. Re regularly because like you know scott you said i'm a touch person mm -hmm. it, you know if it hadn't sunk in with your partner carolyn or she wasn't naturally a touch person you'd have to repeat it multiple times for her to go can i meet that need for him and if she can it really would have caused a problem in your relationship but she right. can't read your mind she needs to know that touch is your language does that make sense that does so Perfect. we learn we learned that from um tv and from watching heterosexual relationships and male female differences and just don't buy into it it's ridiculous perfect that's well, my uh, that's my last statement that's that's it's wonderful <laughs> i've got nothing to add to it because I, I didn't grow up with that um congratulations right. on being male <laughs> yeah thank you uh, on october 3rd we we return live next week and we're going to be talking about the magic of ho'oponopono Yes. Uh, both Michelle and I practice this and we're going to share some things uh, that we've all learned along the way and yeah. it's going to be a fun time. In the meantime, uh, we invite all of you, we ask all of you, please like, share and subscribe our show on your favorite podcast platform. Please share the, the replays with your friends and family. Help us keep this going. Uh, Michelle, anything you want to end with? Uh, if you haven't taken a nice vacation in a while, let Scott and I inspire you. Go take a vacation. Go take a vacation. <laughs> and with that, we will see you live on the third. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice. 
nor the formation of a lawyer-client nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.